This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Tonight we want to conclude the series we've been in on Reformed or Covenant Theology. We're going to look at a theme tonight that should encourage us in our lives in many ways, but especially even in our prayer life, and that's uh, the subject or the application where we'll uh, be concluding uh, in this message uh, this evening. One emphasis of Reformed theology is the providence of God. Now, while this doctrine in some cases has been emphasized over the clear teaching of other scriptures, and we've talked about that, it is not my intent at all to minimize the fact that our God is providence. Leonard Woods defines divine providence this way. I hope you're uh, going to be able to take some notes tonight. You'll be able to refer back to this. But, but uh, Woods said this, The doctrine of divine providence is that all things are sustained, directed, and controlled by God. Do you believe that that is a true statement? Not a trick question. It's a true statement. God controls all because he is over all. Saints in ages past often used the word providence as a synonym for God himself. I think it would be a good thing if we got back to that. Here's what providence did for me. Here's what providence taught me. We refer to God as being sovereign, but have you ever taken a close uh, look at that word? What's the second part of the word? Reign. He is sovereign. He reigns over all. But do we believe and truly understand that he reigns supremely in every detail of everything. We, we know that in our heads, right? We see it in the Bible, right? We even can see it more easily in how God works in others' lives, but do we recognize it in our own life? Leighton Talbert wrote a book titled Not By Chance. I think it's been in our bookstore. If you have not read Not By Chance, it's a thicker book, but you need to read it. It will open your eyes. It'll make you think about the providence of God. But in the book, he notes that there are three ways that an individual responds to unusual, unexpected, and unexplained events. People view these events as, first, pure chance. Things happen because. Why? Well, pure chance. Referred to as fate, fortunate, coincidence, luck. Can I challenge you as a Christian? Be careful how you use those words. What a coincidence. No, no, no. I hear Christians say, well, boy, he was lucky. 
No. Well, I was just fortunate. Not of God's providence. All right, here's the way others look at it. Cosmic contest. A great struggle between God and Satan, and sometimes it looks like Satan's winning, and sometimes God's winning. Let me ask you a question. Is there ever a time that God is losing? Never. Biblically, we would rest on this third area, divine control, the overruling will of God in every aspect of his creation. Something simple as this truth, where sin abounded, what? Grace did much more abound. How is that possible? God's providence. So the way a Christian chooses to view life circumstances will affect every aspect of his or her walk, including our worship, our joy, obedience, and ultimately our reward when we get to heaven. I was studying for this message. God just encouraged my heart because uh, today as I was uh, putting the final touches on this, it was right after I had finished updating the prayer sheet. There are so many things in there that we pray about, and in the human mind, we are still wondering, how's this all going to play out? But then when you take a long view of God's providence, it removes the doubt. In fact, right before the service tonight, had a very quick discussion with Mike Rock. Well, treatments were supposed to start. Now this is going to happen in March. And we could look at each other knowing we really don't understand all of this. Certainly, they don't, though it sounds like a doctor tried to explain it to them. But is God in control? And do all things work together for good to those that love God? Absolutely. I believe God would have us maintain a humble spirit before the Lord that believes this. God can do anything. He makes everyone. He can do everything He says. God rules all existence and circumstances, and His rule is unrivaled now there are those that oppose him but do they ever really gain any headway opposing God no in fact God says this Psalm 2 he that sitteth in the heavens will laugh now does he think their sin is funny no but the fact they think they can contend with him, it's pretty silly. So this is what the Bible teaches, Isaiah 46, 9 to 11, and I'm shortening this for sake of time. I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. My counsel I uh, shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I also will do it.
Our study on covenant theology has helped us see God's providence in church history, in the saving of souls, and in eschatology, especially in books like Revelation. God is in control. And it, though there are things he has not revealed to us, we can, we can put our complete trust in what he has said as he directs and controls the details though things will appear sometimes to be out of control on this earth. I think we're living in a day where a lot of things seem to be spiraling out of control. But we've seen even in the book of Acts, as we've been studying that, that great book, how God in his providence gives a divine mandate, Acts 1.8, All power is given unto me, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Okay, and, and he and he goes and he says, take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts. And then just to watch in the book of Acts how literally and physically in, in people's lives, uh, through the persecution of an enemy of the church, Saul of Tarsus, as, people, as believers scatter, what happens? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria... And we're now branching out Antioch, the uttermost parts, because God literally is in control of all things. So let's conclude the series tonight by examining the blessing of God's providence. The blessing of God's providence. There are four areas that we need to ensure that our thinking is clear when it comes to His providence. We need to understand this, that God continuously preserves and maintains the existence of every part of his creation as he guides and governs all events, including the free acts of men and their external circumstances to his appointed ends for his glory. Now that's a mouthful. Again, that's Leighton Talbert. But God continuously preserves and maintains the existence of everything. He controls it. It can only work out according to his plan for his glory. Now notice how he does this in the area of our circumstances. When we think of providence, that's probably the first thing that comes to our minds. So let's think about providence and our circumstances. No one ever knows what a day will bring forth. How many of you today turned out just like you thought it would? Does that ever happen? Proverbs 27, 1, we don't know, but God knows. This truth is such an encouragement to those who will rest in it. The C.H. Spurgeon said this, Faith in God's providence, instead of pressing our energies, excites us to diligence. We labor as if all depended upon us and then fall back upon the Lord with a calm faith which knows that all depends upon Him. The book of Acts again teaches us uh, over and over that God may choose to intervene directly in the affairs of His church. He caused Ananias and Sapphira to die because they lied to the Holy Spirit, Acts 5. But he also shows us that he may preserve his people from danger and enemies, or he may allow them to suffer and even die for his cause. We're coming, we're right at the point where we're going to start studying chapter 12. What happens in chapter 12? 
James is slain by Herod. But just verses later, an angel opens all the prison doors, wakes up Peter and says, come on. Helps him out of the prison, gets him in the street, and then just leaves him. What a mighty deliverance. Why? Why Peter and not James? God's providence. He's working in situations that are tragic to us, senseless and hurtful to his cause. So we think what Saul was doing to the church. And then God turns right around. Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul the Apostle. And think about how mightily he was used for the Lord. And so, chastening prison, unexpected help from enemies, death, deliverance from death, persecution, conflicts with other Christians, open doors, closed doors, health problems. This is the stuff that life is made of for the Christian. But God is providence. And all things work together for good. He that hath begun the good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, when you meet Jesus. And so you may have your Job moments where, what is going on? How could things get any worse? And then God can turn it around in an instant. Is there anything about the Christmas story that points to God's providence? Now, I'm not this, is not, this is not a spoiler alert. The pastor, Ned, has picked out a video that will be shown in, in the upcoming services. And it alludes to the fact, imagine your wife is expecting a baby. It could happen at any time. And some knucklehead in Rome decides the whole empire needs to submit to a census. Just so happens you live in Nazareth and you've got to go to Bethlehem. There is no public transportation. Why now, Lord? My wife. Oh, by the way, this is all you're doing. It's not mine. A census? Lord, she could have this baby at any point along this journey. And God sits in heaven and says, wait a minute. Out of Bethlehem, Ephrata, is he to be born who's king of the Jews. I've got to get you out of Nazareth and get you down to Bethlehem. This is my plan. Now, I don't know that Joseph had an argument with God. But certainly not convenient, circumstances that were not friendly, if we can use that expression. But God was working, was he not? Anything else about the Christmas story remind you of God's providence? When the fullness of time was come, all of those prophecies, all of those details come together, and Emmanuel is with us. Now, along with our circumstances, God also guides and governs in the uh, free acts of, are you ready? A person's sinning. <coughs> A person's sinning. 
it has always made me marvel that folks say, why would God let them do that? And I hear a little voice in me, well, not a little voice, it's the Holy Spirit saying, why do I allow you to do what you do? It's okay if you do your sin, but they're not allowed to do their sin. And how do you define the purpose of this sinning? And, and again, we live at a time where it seems like it's out of control. Well, let's talk about providence and our sinning. Scripture warns us not to make provision for the flesh to obey it in the lust thereof, but rather to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Romans 13, 14. That word provision in the verse is the word for providence. It's the idea, again, we talked about this, of pre-planning to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's uh, another way that the scripture expresses is entering into temptation. There's the temptation. I enter in, but usually I am pre-planning. How can I do this and others won't see? How can I do this and others won't find out? How can I eliminate as much damage by this wrong behavior as possible? How does our providence in sinning then fit into God's providence? Well, consider this. God is so great that His will has a permissive side that allows sin to happen. Yet, He foresees it, overrules it, and brings about His desired end while never excusing sin. You realize for all of time, our Lord has had an arch enemy, a fallen angel who is powerful. Think of all that he's been up to to try to stop the plan of God. Question, has he succeeded at any point? Not the overall plan of God. Now, he's been responsible for influencing millions to go to hell. But is God's plan on track? Absolutely. Here are some examples. Consider Joseph, Genesis 50 and verse 20. Remember, Jacob dies, Israel dies. The brothers come to Joseph. They're fearful. Now he's going to exact revenge. Here's what he says. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass, as it is this day to save much people alive. 400 years later, God's providence would be seen again in a character named Pharaoh who hardened his heart and then had God harden his heart. And we know that whole story, what God did there in his providence to deliver his people. God's providence is working in our circumstances, in our sinning. Next, his providence was at work in your salvation and mine. The same faith that was required to bring us to salvation is also necessary to believe that God's revelation often transcends the capability of our own human logic. Again, last time we looked at this matter of how can we have free will but God elects. 
Well, it's God's providence. And we come down to the reality of Romans 11.33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out unless He chooses to reveal those to us. So when the doctrine of election is referred to 22 times in our New Testament and says that God chose who would be saved. But God also says that whosoever will may take the water of life freely. Revelation 22, 17. Both can be true, listen, and they are. I emphasized in the last message what Leighton Talbert so clearly stated, again in the work that I have cited that he wrote. Here's what he says. We are not at liberty to draw conclusions that contradict other explicit statements in Scripture. To take one logical step in either direction will topple a person into heresy. Why have we taken these weeks to talk about Reformed or Covenant theology? Because some of what is being taught to the church today, I'll just be blunt, it's heretical. God never created a soul to damn it to hell. Now, logic may take you there, but God didn't say that. And if you say what God didn't say and claim that's truth, that's heresy. Jesus says to those who are lost, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself, John 12, 32. Scripture says to the Christian that election is the gracious determination of God to save a lost person. Therefore, we must witness... For him, because how shall they hear without a preacher? And I shared with you the example of Paul in Corinth before he even begins his ministry there, Acts 18 and verse 10. So God directs and controls all things pertaining to our circumstances, our sinning, our salvation, and then finally, our praying. Providence and our praying. In Exodus 32, 14, with Israel, and then Jonah three ten with Nineveh, God had determined to destroy two nations, Israel and the Assyrians. By their sinning, a holy God was just to determine to do what he had decided to do. But in both of those verses that I give you there, the scripture tells us that God repented. Now God has never had to repent of any sin. It's not what it's talking about. It's saying that after Moses prayed and after Jonah prayed, God changed his mind. Now what are you going to do with that? God said, you know, I'm hearing these guys pray and they're right. I, I had a bad idea. That's, that's not what happened. No, God chose not to destroy these nations because of the intercession of one of his servants, but God already had determined, I'm going to declare my judgment for what sin they have done. There's going to be prayer. And because I'm providence, I'm going to hear that prayer, and I am going to decide to do, and here's what we understand, 
what he had always intended to do. At the same time, I don't want to minimize the fact that you and I can influence God and God changes what he has determined to do. Now, can I explain that? No. But that's how God works. Did God not know what he would do? God already knows what he will do. But it's built into his plan to respond to the faith and the asking of his people. And quite literally, brothers and sisters in Christ, in that regard, in our praying, we partner with God to see his plan move forward. Matthew 6, 8 says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, the hypocritical Pharisees, for your Father knows what things ye have need of before ye ask him. All right, so since he already knows, I don't need to pray. It's kind of like the crowd that says, well, he, he already knows he's going to be saved. I don't have to witness. No. God knows, but he's given me some mandates to do. And I would even just remind us again that what he has said and how I respond in obedience or disobedience to what he has said influences my reward someday and whether I'm ready to meet the Lord. And so in light of Matthew 6, 8, consider the promise of John 16, 23 and 24. In that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever or whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. And God is so committed to this that in Matthew 18, and, and uh, in fact, I was praying with Brother Ned tonight, and in his praying, he reminded us as we were listening, as he talked to God, what Matthew 18 says. If two or three agree here on earth, what does God say? It's settled in heaven. If we lose something here, it's loosed in heaven. Is God trying to determine how his plan should move forward based on how we're praying? Not at all. That plan is settled. And yet within his great providence, as we agree, as we bind, as we loose on earth, seeking God's will, praying according to his will, and then we ask... God works. We're part of that plan as he moves his plan forward. So here's what it comes down to, folks. God is God and his plan is going to continue. He's told us what to do right here. And as we obey and trust and walk with him, we get to be a vital plan, part of the plan too. Now, it's God that makes the plan happen. Through obedience, we get to be part of the plan, and then we get rewarded someday for bringing him glory and being part of the plan. What a deal. Well, I just need to figure out God so I know how to pray. No, no, you just need to depend on God and pray. God in his providence has built into his plan to respond to our praying 
and make it part of his plan. Amazing. When we don't pray, he has built into his plan uh, not to answer, and he will still be glorified, though we miss out on his blessing. So let's conclude. God's providence is a blessing. There's only one in the universe who is omniscient. That means all-knowing. And it's not your preacher. It's not your fellow members at Good News. In fact, it's not anybody in the body of Christ, but the head of the body who is Christ. He is all-knowing. But in light of God's providence, we can move forward in our circumstances, helping others come to Christ. And even how we view sin, and then how we pray, realizing that God is in absolute control of all things. And so as I trust and obey, as I follow the light of his word, the reality is when storms come, when things happen that I cannot explain, cannot understand, things that actually even seem to oppose his plan in my life, I can rest in the providence of God. I have no reason to fear or doubt. I can trust him. And in faith... I continue to move forward. God can do anything but fail. His rule is unrivaled. So rest in God who is providence and let his providence encourage your absolute obedience. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto what? Your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Why? He's providence. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth in your word. Thank you for the encouragement of who our God is. You are providence. You do all things well. The judge of all the earth will do right. And Lord, we have the record of scripture that shows us in your providence how you delivered Joseph and Israel, Daniel, how you brought your Son, Lord, to be our Savior. And Lord, we even see in the book of Revelation how your plan comes to a victorious close. And everything's right on track, right according to plan, because you are providence. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.